I V M. Hello and welcome to the Habit Coach podcast. My name is Ashton Doctor and I'm also known as the Habit Coach. Now today we have a very interesting episode. We're going to be talking about understanding life through the lens of a director and a producer. We have Goldie with us who's going to be talking about his life and how he sees the world and his habits as well. So Goldie, welcome to the Habit Coach podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me here, Ashton. This is your first podcast. So I'm very happy ever. that it's with me right here. Even I'm very happy about it. <laughs> Goldie, how did you get into being a producer director like what's the story how did it start well my father was one okay. you know so uh, i was born into it and uh, you know so one grew up in this atmosphere although we were not uh, considered very typical what they called filmy kids mm-hmm. you know sent to different kind of schools my education was i did some of it in bombay scottish over here and then i was packed off to a boarding school in ajmer meo college so i actually studied outside mumbai so i was never the typical film kid although surrounded by them i don't know what that means typical film kid but i guess everybody has a image about them yeah it's a stereotype uh, in our minds so. yeah i guess so <laughs> but uh, yeah a lot of my friends are from the film line mm. because my parents my father was producer director and uh, then he passed away when i was just 15 years old okay and he had a movie incomplete with mr bachchan in it and then you know he wasn't directing that one in particular so we had a south indian director who was directing it so i had no choices i had to step in to understand fortunately there were enough of well wishers my father had a lot of goodwill who helped us guided us through it and you know it was early days i was still in school so i had to go back to meo and you know come back and in vacations just you know roam around the office and see how you know payments are done on set and stuff mm-hmm. like that you know start blow down at some family members at some you know family friends who guided us through it and you know after 10th i couldn't do my plus 2 over there because mom wanted us back home the four of us i have one elder sister and two younger sisters mm-hmm. so uh, you know while my elder sister went into advertising i was you know wanting to stay back in within the production house that my father had set up and then went ahead and got the movie released and by 18 19 had to start your own production because you, know, you got to get the ball rolling and my mom was very very keen that you know get into it although i regret not being educated formally in uh, the films which i'm trying to compensate by getting my son educated in it <laughs> but learned on the job you know put together a movie called my elder sister back out of advertising told her to join us back and she you know i am sure under a lot of compulsion maybe now that i think of it uh, of course of uh, course <laughs> you know maybe she would have had a different trajectory if she was stuck into advertising but yeah so then at about but this uh, was something that you always wanted to do yes you know was, were uh, you thrust into it no i was not thrust into it i always wanted to do it i always wanted to be a filmmaker i always wanted to tell stories like we were discussing before the podcast started i was always a, and i'm still a keen observer of people in life and you know just generally looking at things you know more from a rounded 360 fashion you know i never knew i used to think laterally till people told me oh that's lateral thinking and you know when i was growing <laughs> up that was a cool thing to be told to i was like oh okay it could be you know because i was quite dyslexic hmm. you know so and i didn't know that at that point you know so always thought of things and reviewed them and viewed them in different ways and of course later on in life i discovered that i was dyslexic and you know just then made it a way of thinking and working you know difficult so, going through scripts even now yes uh, fortunately 
definitely audio is very very you know helpful now you can get your scripts read out to you you have enough of people to read them out to you or you have now the ai reads it out to you or right. you know the computer itself reads it out to you but have got better now much much better because of the years of practice that i put into it but still much slower than a lot of people also what happens you know is that when you're dyslexic you also go into a lot of visuals you know might sound like a cliche after tarazami pe but it is a fact you yeah. know that you do go into a lot of uh, visual interpretations and oh what does this really mean and what does this and what if it looks like that so i used to like for example love history in school didn't fare too well because of the writing part of it but i used to love the stories that were told in history you know mm. but fortunately so much of audio now you know there's yeah. so many audio books i go through a lot of audio books now mostly you know non fiction you know i can see a few of them over here mm. as well uh, which i will start now i'll send them to you yeah on audio on audio okay uh, fine read them out to you. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sure you must have already got your audio ones out otherwise you get them out now then <laughs> but yeah i mean uh, so much of interesting stuff i've gone through recently you know of malcolm gladwell or adam grant or you know taleb you know the fantastic thoughts or you know sapiens you know yuval you know fantastic historians and you know authors and you know just makes your mind explode yeah yeah makes your mind explore and there's actually so much of narrative also happening in those researches you know that actually you know research pieces you yes. know but it's uh, incredible how you know they put it together and you know help you understand and so well narrated and put together and you know fantastic you know i'm sorry i went somewhere else no in the conversation <laughs> you were asking me whether i was so pushed into it or was it natural was it? yes it was quite natural there was a brief period in my life where i was offered a lot of acting assignments mm. or was uh, asked from filmmakers or you know family friends you know that would you like to act and stuff like that and i briefly did explore it also mm. but i my mind was never to it you know i always wanted to know where to place the camera or how would this be shot or you know was that the uh, kind of discussions that happened at home which is why you were see i was too young but i grew up in a atmosphere where you know editing rooms and music sittings you know were a part of life you know if you want had to go and meet your father you would have to go there because fortunately you were so busy that time and you know so whether it was a music session at Pancham Uncle's uh, at Adi Burman's music room and whether we were just like tumbling around on the gaddas over there while they were probably making some really hit songs you know or it was you know sitting in his lap while he was editing some movie you know and so my time passed free time when i used to go to office used to be the editing room right. and i used to love to splice the film and stick it together and you know instead of playing lego i used to do that mm. you know so i used to find that fun you know and then you know try and you know reel the sprockets in and you know try and you know it is it is very difficult they used to have a steen back then uh, mm. to play the films on mm-hmm. and it was not digital it was all analog Correct. so it just to you know thread that steen back was also a, a task yeah. you know when you said so cut I, you actually had to do a cut yeah yeah you had to physically <laughs> you had to physically cut it which you had to actually splice it up and then stick it with uh, tape mm. you know and then later on if it was a negative then stick it with cement mm. you know so i found that very very fascinating you know i used to accompany him for music recordings or you know di which we call di now but that was color correction then mm. in the labs you know actually go and see the whole process of how it was happening how this to you know this was just three colors to play with the rgb correct and you know just how they used to color correct it from there so my father used to work with a permanent team of mm. people you know so the dop used to be permanent the music director used to be the same the editors used to be more or less the same the writers you know so there were this this click of people who used to work together all the time and when you uh, took over the same 
click was uh, with you? Did, not did really, you? because you know we went in for external directors, mm. and times had changed. Yeah. You know, some of them had also passed away or become too old, and I of course wanted to work with newer people. So uh, we did our first production with Mahesh Bhatt as a director in it. It was a movie called Angare, and that you know uh, took very very long to make. Uh, but the good part is that um, I learned a lot in it, you know, because Bhatt Sahib used to really really guide me and help me think. A lot of my uh, you know way of thinking or interpreting scenes or performances or people also came from the enormous amount of hours I spent with him. Can you share Where, a few examples? This is so you know, like for example. you know the way he to extract performances from people and the brutality with which he was honest about his characters you know although it was not one of his best movies but you know still the person was the same person so the techniques were the same you know so whether it was you know just what to speak to the actors you know and how bare and primal you can go into touching the nerve in the actor so that he brings out or she brings out that kind of performance that you require for that role because if an actor most often than not has agreed to do a role you know there is some part of that actor that is lurking around in that character you know that that actor has agreed to do it even if it's just for money you know how do you negotiate your way through that and make that actor identify with that character was a great you know learning for me although now it's become far more systematic because you know you have table reads and you have much more amount of prep but at that point it was mostly on set mm. you know and script would just arrive at that last uh, moment that yeah more or less you mm. know or it was really improvised a lot mm. you know by the director on set you know having felt the location and the, this thing and all the kind of prep was not there right it was also much cheaper to make movies then so mm. you could afford to work in a certain auto way mm. you know so that was something that was i found very very interesting and how honest he is about himself you know is something i find very very inspiring you know and i think the more bare and you know open you are about yourself the easier it is for you in your life you know to accept your uh, challenges and your limitations and also helps you move forward you know like sometimes you might need to have a confrontation to bring out aspect of a character etc in in a you're talking about performances mm-hmm. not necessarily confrontation you know it's very rarely actually a confrontation mm-hmm. it's more about atmosphere it's what's mm-hmm. the kind of atmosphere that you create and how well you understand the person the actor is right. and the person the character is you know and recognize the moment you know in which that person is now going to start interacting with that character and what do you want as a filmmaker from that moment you know so now how do you you know well in old school so we talk during shots also you know so just like talk over the actor sometimes you know just like get that moment going you know and try and spend time with the actor and try and understand you know what kind of person that he is because you know something that may tick you mm. may offend somebody else Correct. you know and probably throw the person off you know like you know you're intruding a personal space you mm. know but sometimes you know certain things or assimilate certain things about that person which you can use you know if it's an actor who's gone through a lot of failures recently mm. you know and you know that he must have walked into a room full of successful people mm. looking at him as a failure mm. and if there is a moment like that of embarrassment or shame in your scene you know can you make that actor correlate to that 
moment in his life or her life you mm. know uh, and not think that he was a failure at that point of time as well so like, um, no no make mm, him feel like a failure so that he can, failure. yeah mm. so that he can give that shot in that way but then also understand that it's nothing personal correct although it is personal yes you know so it's a, it's a bit blurred you know it's um, a tight rope walk yeah, huh, yeah, this yeah, one yeah, yeah yeah so it's really up to the the rapport that the filmmaker has with the actors you know and how comfortable they are you know i strongly believe in more and more is being proved you know is that it's a very person to person business mm. so you work with people and the same two people can you know bring out something amazing you know whereby which independently working with more successful people may not bring out that you know magic you Correct. know so it's a lot to do with the vibes and the energies that you share with the person and the understanding and the faith you have in each other you know that brings out the best in each other and like when you're choosing an actor you said something very important right which is that there's an actor that has been very successful there's an actor that has not necessarily been successful but how would you choose between these two because you're looking for a particular role right so like would the popular actor might be able to see now you know we are more driven by commercial decisions you know hmm. because of the kind of material that i'm making you right. know fortunately on ott for the longest time we were allowed or able to work with just actors who suit the part hmm. or we think suit the part hmm. you know but now more and more it is coming like films you know people who can draw in certain audience you know who are already successful so it's uh, within that space then you look for somebody who you think suits your character who can interpret your character in a particular way mm. you have some really good casting directors as well you know mm. who help you and guide you through that you know now i've also moved into a role of a showrunner producer you know or a creator i don't know how you define it right. you know but because series is something which is very very different from films but also quite similar in a lot of ways so in that you know you can do a mix and match of both you know the honest answer to that would be to purely should be someone who can deliver acting chops mm. you know mm. but practically, practically it is also not necessarily possible to not have that person every possible time. every time mm. you do get lucky sometimes mm. and also somebody who's very very successful is generally a good actor right. you know so not to take away from success you know but it is not driven by that mm. only mm. you know and as a producer you're seeing the film differently from uh, as a director right So as a producer either see the film make the director see the film that you're seeing mm. or see the film that the director see mm. you know one person has to step back down yeah it has to be a singular vision mm. you know and more often than not when it's not is when it khichdi happens i was just going to ask that khichdi yeah. takes place sometimes yeah yeah most of the time mm. 99% of the times it's the khichdi huh. you know and then you have fixed jobs and stuff like that but that 1% or 2% times when everybody's in sync that's when magic happens mm. you know so like again going back to it's very people to people interaction you know right. so scouting for the right kind of person you know who you can gel with is very rare you know so you try and hold on to that that's why a lot of filmmakers and production companies repeat the people they work with mm. because you know okay you've got this energy flowing and you've got this whole you know vibe going on and we're all doing the same stuff so you know why change it and you're very wary to change your options then yeah so you know it has to be a singular vision and as a producer like what would your typical day be like not as a director so you're not wearing a director hat right now so producer what would your typical day be like what are the things that you would do as routines or as processes once you come to set so i don't know about the other producers but uh, you know i have a slightly different i don't know what you call it profile or approach mm-hmm. where i am involved creatively as well mm-hmm. you know because of my filmmaking background also 
directing background also writing background as well so i typically divide my day into try and start as early in the morning as possible where we can get most of the creative work the thinking the conceptualization you know get that done before you know 11 am hmm. you know in the morning you know so that means you start at 6 7 8 it depends on how much work you have and who you are interacting you would come before any of the actors or no this is not on set is not on set so producer doesn't need to be on set you know because uh, you have enough people to run the set hmm. and if you're not on set that means things are going fine okay. <laughs> if you're you know, on set means that means there's a problem hmm. okay so uh, my dear friend rohan hmm. who's directed duranga 2 also hmm. if he saw me on set he said okay what's wrong <laughs> you know so i like, no, nothing but he just came to say hi to you man that's it you know so typically that's how it should function for a good producer okay. he or she should not be needed on set you know but you're responsible for all the little moving parts that are happening on set uh, so right? you have people there you have your representatives there mm-hmm. you know so they are somebody who's supposed to take care of all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. so a lot of my work as a producer or as a showrunner or should happen before you go on set mm-hmm. you know when you go on set you have a line producer you have an executive producer you have a first ad you know who's supposed to take care of all the needs of the director and the actors and you know other mm. things you know other hods you know and they should have been sorted out before you know so ideally you should not be required on set go there have a meal say hi you know create your goodwill mm. create your you know understanding there's obviously a reason why they're all working with you you know apart from just the money because everybody pays money so and what would that uh, be That's what? an interesting one, what? right? Like, what's the difference between different producers? Like, money is the same. Money is the same. It's just the vibe. Like I, like mm. uh, like I told you, it's the subject that you curate. You know, mm. something that I may like and very interesting. So you, some producers uh, might be more fun on set. Some be some producers are more like serious. That kind of uh, vibe. Like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. That's also there. I mean, they're also like people. No, in the sense of mm. you know, there are producers who are completely commercially driven, right? Which is actually what they should be. Mm. <laughs> But so they have a different energy and a different need requirement. you know from the crew also you know then there are producers like me who have a little bit of creative bent you know who are involved in the creation process of it so i will go that extra mile for the quality you know you know that compromises my you know profit margins mm. a little bit here and there because i am more about this job let's do this job well so that we get the next job you know right. and we do a bigger better job with the next job so that's my upbringing that's my thinking so you'll have one mind on business one mind on the creativity of the yeah Yeah, and then right. as a director, what happens? Because that will have to have a complete shift of mindset. Yeah, right? so uh, I have I have only directed when I'm producing. Okay, and I'm a disastrous producer when I direct. Hmm. So like you go completely off budget and things. Yeah, like that? absolutely, huh. absolutely, I go off budget hmm. because now there's no one to hold me back. Sell your yeah. left kidney. Let's uh, say. Uh, <laughs> so because my left kidney. <laughs> so. I have uh, chosen to step back a little bit directorially because you know I just go completely hysterical you know and try and get things right and you know go even more expensive and you think you'll cover it up but you never do cover mm-hmm. it up you know because then this is also important that is also important I need this also I need that also and there's no one really checking you right. you know because who's going to tell you that you know you're going OB because it's your own money right mm-hmm. you're going OB with your own money mm-hmm. so then everybody like if he wants to blow it up that's his problem you know so that's very very difficult you know 
at least for me i've been working on it hmm. you know i've done a couple of series here and there where i've been in budget hmm. and uh, <laughs> my production is happy with me about that hmm. they're still very 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 sometimes i need to step in when a director falls ill or you know there's a shoot going on hmm. you know something like that so i step in there but you enjoy uh, the process of directing oh yes yes absolutely i do i Why, do. what do you, what is so magical about it it's converting something from a thought it becomes some words and lines mm. and from those words and lines it becomes live form mm. and people expressing it it's like giving birth mm. you know i think the closest to giving birth a man will come to you know is uh, giving birth to an idea and then on paper and then on screen mm. you know it's just it's just magical you know every shot is like giving birth you right. know so it's like creating you know something in every every shot you know and uh, there could be so many restrictions but still it's fun you know the light is going and running out of time you don't have the budget you don't have the equipment you know uh, it's an adrenaline rush huh? yeah yeah absolutely hmm. so there's so many multiple things and to find your way and navigate through that hmm. you know and it's even more fun when you don't have the budget for it you know <laughs> because that's even even better you know the constraints are fun uh, constraints are fun you know and i think a lot of creativity comes from there you know and again i would go, like to quote bhatsa over here mm-hmm. again like you asking me you know what yeah. all you, like so he told me once that you know pani mein to sabhi naav chalate hain sukhe mein naav chalana sikho to jaane i love it so you don't have water still you got to row your boat mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i found that very well. I, i guess it stuck with me you know mm-hmm. and so that's that's fun and when i'm saying like you don't have money that doesn't mean that you're making something low budget Correct. you know you can uh, have lots of money but for the vision for the vision <laughs> like i ran out of money of the movie that i was making drona where mm-hmm. everybody thought it was a big ass movie hmm. but i was out of money you right. know and i remember discussing with ashu also that time he was making jodak but he said even he ran out of money hmm. you know so, production <laughs> yeah hmm. so it depends on the vision right hmm. so that money is never i mean i i was seeing some interview of martin scorsese where he ran out of money hmm. you know or ran out of time hmm. you know and he was shooting departed hmm. and he said that shot where the body falls and all that stuff he wanted one more but he couldn't do it because the first day he said you know time's up so you got to move on and moving on hmm. and he won the academy for it yeah. so you know so it's fun i mean that's all it's all the creation process you know do you um, need to be a good actor to be a good director no Don't you have to like act out the scene no, and no, explain no, no, it to them? No, no, no. That's 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 very old school, man. Now, you now know, it's what? Although I do it sometimes, and I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't uh, become an actor. Uh-huh. But you don't necessarily need to. If you are a good actor, it always helps. Mm. But it also influences the actor because the modern actor is very, very is a thinking actor. You know, mm. they come with a lot of their own preparations and their own interpretations. You know, and their own backstories that they make in their heads. Also, you know, apart from what the writer has provided. So that's damn interesting. You know, so. So you know all these guys I've worked with now in Duranga too, whether it's Amit Saad or Gulshan. There's just magical actors who come with a lot of preparation of their own, you know, and they do so many readings and so many rehearsals before we even decide on the schedule, you know, uh, just on the basis of the paper and just sitting across a table and talking, you know. So the modern actor doesn't really require you to. right act and show them you know Correct. and if you they've do done that, the prep work they've done the prep work mm. and you know and that's so goddamn good and mm. they're so well prepared mm. and most of them are trained now mm. you know so you don't you don't need okay. to do that all right we're going to come back to the podcast after a quick break welcome back to the habit coach podcast let's continue this is so interesting because i've spoken to so many people who come from like 
filmy backgrounds in the, mm. in the past and they would say like many times the actors were doing so many different movies at that time mm-hmm. that they would arrive on set and in their mind they would be confused on what am i doing in this particular movie because they were doing multiple ones i'm guessing mm-hmm. that i'm not that old so i don't know at that time mm-hmm. but at the time when i was making angare was i was like what 20 21 years mm-hmm. old or something like that and there was akshay kumar who should do two shifts in a day mm-hmm. and he should do one shift in from 7 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon the other one from 2 in the afternoon to Ten in the night, Correct. but that also faded away really, really soon. Right, because actors started getting paid so well, so they also they need you know, to do that. They didn't need to do that, mm. you know. And the directors also started getting paid well. So what's the scene with these insane working hours that is there in this business, right? Isn't it crazy? Yeah, so we have shit? we have a twelve-hour shift, right? We have a nine to nine, or you have a you know two to two, mm. and that's how it works because you know. it takes that much time mm. so but you know our line is such you know that when you have work you have work when you don't have work you don't have work at all you mm. know so either have so, very busy days or nothing yeah or nothing is extremes know. yeah mostly for the technical side of it or the creative side of it that's mm. how life works mm. you know as a producer still you got other things to do because you're more of going to office and you know reading scripts and you know working out the mathematical part of it or actually the coordination part of it mm. you know and aiding and helping the director make the film or the series you know but that's how my line is yeah mm. you know i have not done work for 3 4 years 5 mm. years and, uh, and nothing is, it, is just, that called a dry period or that is just like how life is because the other things are actually moving along that's called failure period failure. <laughs> <laughs> so the phone stops ringing as they say right? right so the phone stops ringing and nobody calls up nobody's interested in working with you how do you deal so, with that as a mind space so i dealt with it a couple of times mm. you know mm. uh, come out of it couple of times in various ways mm. you know and i think i finally arrived on the best way i think possible and i keep on telling a lot of friends who are going through it also is to just keep on working you know understand what your value is and what you're getting offered is what your value is mm. you know and accept it and do that mm. you know so if you make a 60 70 crore movie you know and it doesn't do well after that you got to make 10 lakh rupees soap you know opera you know but that's your value so you have to go and do that mm. you know and get on to the set and you know start working again because people only want to work with people who are working correct you know it doesn't matter big or small you know once i broke that barrier in my head you know i was just getting up in the morning and going to work mm. you know and doing what came my way you know of course if you try something big and it works out then you've got a lot of choices and you know then things pan out differently because success is all about choosing a next job you know that's all you know so when you if you're successful you have a choice in what you can do next mm. but even you're not or if people have not accepted what you've done then you got to do what comes your way or generate that kind of stuff that you know you can do with minimal distrust that people have in you Correct. you know so uh, i did a lot of tv you know daily soaps then i had a hard time there also at one point so then i worked outside also for daily soaps mm. i learned a lot you know of how actually daily soaps work which was a revolutionary way of me thinking although i have done daily soaps i had done daily soaps for good 8 10 years and then i went on a production house external production house set mm. and shot for them for 6 months and i realized that, oh my god actually it's done this way mm. you know <laughs> uh, and that's how you make the money you know like, oh okay that's how and it's you done. never went over budget again <laughs> i never went over budget again See, you something from i it. learned a lot from mm. that production house i mm. can't take the name mm. but i learned a lot and i'm thankful to them mm. it was probably i don't know from a profile point of view to probably my lowest correct but from a learning point of view to probably my highest yes. you know so once you break that barrier in your head no 
of just uh, you know being comfortable with you know, in your skin and just working mm. and enjoying what you're doing and finding that see it may not be the best thing it may not be what you imagined yourself to be okay. you know but it is putting food on the table you know mm. and you got to find then something within that that may appeal to you mm. you know and then live off that you know because there will be something in that you know like i found you know yeah. oh okay this is how it's done actually you know and that's how they shoot their series so fast mm. you know and i actually applied some things of it very laterally onto the you know ott shows that i did you know where i of course understood that what they were doing compromised the quality but there was some truth in what they were doing mm. you know so how do i apply that aspect of it right you know which does not affect my quality you know and uh, i applied it in my own productions you know and uh, fortunately they've been working for me in the last 3 4 years you know have so, you seen the anish was in a movie on netflix the documentary the documentary yes yes yes, yes his father gives that fantastic advice right he said whatever you do just be useful uh, you don't know what to do I just be useful just be useful this reminded yes. me of that when you yeah. were talking about it probably yes right? i remember that now it was divided into that actor phase and the bodybuilder phase and the Correct. politician phase and stuff like yeah so you know either you get it right hmm. and you are like hmm. you know king kong king kong hmm. otherwise we are like everybody else no just like make yourself useful yeah right absolutely right you know just keep on working it's so interesting right because when you have a failure you actually learn from it but your mind space is in such a place where you can't even hmm. get out of it True. and the worst thing about like industries like this is everyone's asking you what's next Mm. Like no one's appreciating what you've done right now. Mm. It's always like, what's next? So failure in my industry is very, very brutal. Mm. You know, because it's very, very public. Very public. It's worse for the actors. But uh, if you're a, of a certain profile as a filmmaker, also it's quite brutal for you, also. You know, because everybody knows. You know, you've put a piece of your heart out there, and everybody's rejected it. You know. How does it feel uh, on the first day it's shown? Uh, it feels. Uh, it's happened to me many times, mm. so I can tell you exactly how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, it feels terrible. You know, mm. it feels terrible because you know in. In, in mass people are not accepting what you have to say so you do get a lot of self doubt mm. you know because you're so at least i am very conscientious of the thoughts and the effort i put into every production or direction endeavor that i try that when it doesn't work you feel like there is a piece of you that has died mm. you know and then building that faith in yourself is very very difficult and it's taken me many many years to understand you got to keep on working and make yourself useful mm. right so yeah it feels like a part of you has died right. you know because if while creating you feel you're giving birth this This is the uh, counterpoint of that when when you're giving birth to something and people it's still born. It's still born. Mm. Yeah, exactly. The first time you had a uh, your baby, like uh, a production or uh, a director thing coming out, uh, right? What was that feeling like? You know, the first time something that you've created is going to be public, whether success, failure, didn't matter, but something is going to be public. What was that? Do you remember that feeling? So, as a producer, I first produced and then I directed. Mm. As a producer, no. If it is a big ass movie, mm. then you still feel that excitement, mm. and you know. So you know you're having a premiere. Everybody's coming and this and that, and all. You feel like you know this is the going to break all the records mm. and everything. So there is an exhilaration, there is an high. But sometimes when the film is put together with a lot of difficulties, or the actors are not doing well at that point, or you know the film doesn't have a big buzz, then you're so goddamn. busy trying to put it out there mm. you know that you really don't really even think about what the outcome will be the 
first relief is that you put it out mm. you know you don't it's have it's not in the cans anymore it's not in the cans anymore mm. it's out there because mm. you know we've been taught since childhood that you know whatever you start you got to finish and put it out there film is not complete till it's not released correct or a series is not complete till it's not released and put it out to the audience you know so that becomes mean and most important thing if, if the product or the content is not carrying the kind of buzz but when it's carrying buzz then it's great mm. you know and you know it's carrying buzz you know how people are talking to you you know how people are reacting to you so i would think you know now that i think back you pretty much know what yeah. the fate is going to be yeah. of that content it has got feel there you come to know mm. yeah you come to know by like seeing the audience or before before before, 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 before. when you see it only you come to know mm. you may not choose to recognize it mm. or you may not have the understanding to recognize it but you know hmm. when you see it you come to know and there's nothing you can do at that stage nothing you can do you try hmm. you try hmm. you try and fix it you try and do this you try and do that but it's gone it's gone hmm. you know you've chosen the wrong people or the or the wrong people have chosen you hmm. and it's, it's all downhill you can see it from there you know and now when something comes out of yours hmm. how do you feel is it like just one more thing is it always of the feeling of pride that is there like how does it feel because over the years so many years you've been doing this hmm. right does it become like oh one more it's not like oh one more it's never that hmm. because you know this every project has been put in a lot of effort has been has been put in. so there's a lot of pride right. that i feel right. big or small it's out there finished it I put it out to the audience, you know. So I feel a sense of pride that mm. I have finished another project and I put it out there, and now it's in the hands of the audience. Mm. Now I can say much easier what people say very loosely, like "Don't take success to your head and failure to your heart." Mm. I have taken failure to my heart and success to my head, mm. and it is a very, very normal thing. It is a very, very natural thing, and you have to do that, mm. you know. Mm. Others, you're not alive, you know, and it's all bullshit that you don't do that. But over time, the correction is only that because you've gone through it so many times. that that sensation now you have felt that sensation so that's not no longer a new sensation hmm. so now you can learn to deal with it much more better hmm. you know you know uh, the high will pass you know the low will low pass low will pass but that only comes with experience yeah. and what they say tajurba yeah. you know that you cannot help it and, and if, what is the high like huh? especially in this i'm still waiting industry. i'm still waiting to feel <laughs> it <laughs> Soon, ah, soon, soon. <laughs> I mean, there's been some reasonable amount of success of late in the OTT circuit, but yeah, it's still not. It's there. completely changed, right? The OTT landscape has yeah. completely changed the way entertainment takes place. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we're going to come back to the podcast after a quick break. Welcome back to the Habit Coach Podcast. Let's continue. So I find it as a nice hybrid between traditional linear television and films mm. you know and that's a nice sweet spot that I am enjoying because I've done both so uh, so the OTT content has a limited story like your film would have mm. the aesthetics are very like how you would do a mount of film mm. as in the choice of subject or the actors and the kind of acting and you know the look and feel and cinematography and everything but the narrative mm. is TV yeah you know you got to give them a hook you got to give them a big cliffhanger at the end of every episode and all got to get them back for the next episode mm. that is hardcore television mm. you know and now the younger audience is becoming so restless mm. you know and like my son i mean he sees uh, how long is the video and then he starts watching it correct that's the first question how long is it mm. i say let's watch this movie how long is it only then will Yeah. Oh no, I don't have to ask now. You know. Mm. So that is very, very TV, and that's just to tell you. That's what I learned from uh, the outside production. Yeah. That how to make TV so engaging that uh, can't get your eyes off it. You know. 
you know it's so interesting so i used to do a lot of tv research earlier on so my family business is market research and mm. things like that and i remember when mobile phones suddenly became attractive mm. Mm. so earlier on it was only whatsapp maximum now mm. suddenly you could watch videos etc so it's always you're watching tv and your phone at the same time yes yeah right? earlier it was cutting you know like sabzis etc yeah. but now it was phone and tv, TV. and you had to compete with these two things whenever yeah. you're creating content for people it's still like that mm. like, are you good at creating hooks and stuff like then leaving cliffhangers I, i would think so at least like the shows that i made mm. you know i've tried to do that mm. you know and most of them have been successful in that so yeah mm. that's the, that's the key right now for yeah. everything yeah. that's happening yeah yeah what are some of the interesting there's a fun question that i had which is like what are some of the fun interesting routines or habits that you noticed with your actors when they come on stage like anyone that like, sticks out like you know many people have this way of functioning right and that routine becomes what they do every single day that they come in so routine i don't know because you know i don't go to the vanity van as mm. much mm. You know, so i don't know what the routine is over there but uh, most of them like would you know touch the floor before entering it mm. at the set like a stage yeah mm. like, like a stage I know of actors that would, you know, create a lot of humor on set, mm. you know, because I think that's what calms their nerves down, you know. I know like Gulshan doesn't eat, mm. you know, and I mean I don't know about their routines and habits very mm. honestly. I could talk about their approaches mm. and the mindset, Perfect. you know. So mindsets are also habits. Okay. So where they come in, where they are thinking about yeah. it differently. So there are actors that are method actors that are you know totally remain in character and when you say cut hmm. and then there are and you have lunch with them in character yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. i have friends who are in character i can tell you which movie they they're going to act in by the way they're behaving with me in their real life also <laughs> So I mean I don't know the movie that that person is going to do. You know what kind of role? I know what kind of role it is going to be. You like you're having a drink with them and uh, yeah, 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 or just even having a conversation mm-hmm. on the way they behave because those are method actors, you know. Mm-hmm. So subconsciously they start behaving. You know, I'm not saying like if you're playing a killer, you start playing behaving like a killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your life is not in danger. Huh? But if you're playing a guy who's living on the edge, mm-hmm. then he will start driving the car fast, and mm-hmm. you know he will start. You know, I'll have a drink tonight. That's <laughs> that's living on the edge for him. You know, uh, for that person. <laughs> so I'm like okay like this guy's like doing something where you know he's living on the edge kind of thing. Mm. So yeah I mean they they're fun people actors mm. that way mm. you know and then there are actors who internalize it so much mm. that you know they tend to forget or they like to forget the lines mm. before mm-hmm. in the sense of they want to do it impromptu. It should feel impromptu. Mm. It should feel like it's coming out organically. Mm. So you have to forget for that. Mm. you know mm. so in the sense that they're not actually forgotten it but it's become so much because they've done so much rehearsals and stuff like that, that it's more like now part of the being mm. so you're really not thinking about the lines and mm. just you know roll the camera and they're like going to say it at that moment mm. as that character mm. over there which i think is fantastic mm. i'm more a fan of that kind of performances mm. you know doesn't it throw you off for the actor that's that they're playing opposite think that where the script go has it gone for a toss no 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 the lines are the same mm. but i'm just saying that you behave like you're not like prepping all the time Correct. You know? like the method actors would generally go into the lines again and again and mm. there are these sweet actors who like just like flow very 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 organically you know mm. very you know cut and you're out of it and then roll and action you're in it and you know because you got to learn and then forget and then it comes naturally to you mm. right so that that's another style and approach that i really appreciate yeah final question for you which is that do you have a goal what is it that you want 
to be heading towards achieving etc like you know like maybe for an actor it might be like i want to win an oscar or something like that like what do you, you know, have anything that you strangely, are strangely i've never had a larger goal mm. but i have learned and one of my victories in life is to have smaller goals mm. and you know to deal with every day and have a small victory every day mm. and that has been a big mantra in my life mm. you know even when my wife was going through certain illness and i had decided that let's deal with every day as it comes mm. you know so look for that victory in that day you know or if my sister we were in a production house together at one point and we were going through a lot of financial problems and we were like let's deal with this problem today mm. you know and let's find a victory today mm. it could be anything it could be a small little victory it could be like okay you know i paid up this guy or it could be like the blood count is better today mm. you know that's a small victory or you know i could walk 10 kilometers today mm. you know so i always try and look for some victory that i can take home with me if i haven't found that victory i very i get a lot of disturbed sleep mm. you know mm. because then your mind is wandering you mm. know and there's a lack of satisfaction mm. you know then you start looking for that satiation or that satisfaction in food and alcohol and you know content and in all kinds of stuff you know which is very superficial okay. you know but it fixes you for that night or that evening or that day you know but looking for that one little victory recognizing that one you may have everybody has it mm. you know it's about spotting it mm. and understanding okay this was a victory today you know what i'm saying right okay let me take this back home let me take this to my heart and let me like you know like savor this for today you know amazing so short term goals is what i believe in because nobody really knows what the larger i mean at least i don't know what the larger thing is i could say oh i want to win an oscar everybody wants to win an oscar mm. i want to you know make billions of dollars everybody wants to do that mm. you know so what's the big deal in that you know of course it's a big deal but i mean what's the big deal of thinking about that mm. like, everybody wants to think about that mm. currently i'm feeling very very i was very very nervous before coming here and mm. you know having chatted with you i feel like this is a victory i can take home with me i was going to say the same yeah. thing first podcast i was yeah, going to say today's yeah, victory it's first podcast absolutely you know so you know it could be you know as simple as that you know and feel good yeah i was having a terrible day i've come here mm. had chatted with you mm. feeling better now got a smile on my face amazing and uh, and may your evening be even better thank you same to you <laughs> thank you japanese food is going to be had right now so oh lovely already looking up <laughs> <laughs> fantastic thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you thank you so much for having me, me. thank you so much for having absolute me absolute pleasure to have you thank you thank you If you like this episode don't forget to hit subscribe also give us a rating it really helps with people discovering the podcast if you like podcasts like this check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network you can also watch all the episodes on the habit coach awesome 180 youtube channel follow us on social media we are at ivm podcasts on twitter facebook instagram linkedin everywhere you can also reach out to me i am ashtin doc at twitter and instagram You can connect with me on my website awesome180.com. You can also check out my two new books, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, and the second, The Book of Good Habits for Kids. I am Ashton Doctor, your habit coach.